Welcome to the Big Balance Podcast with your hosts, Brian. John. You're listening to The Big Balance, the podcast for anybody looking for clear, simple advice they can actually apply. Give us a little of your time each week and we'll help you figure out work, life, and everything in between. That's that's it. How's that for an intro? Does that sound good? I like you it. Do that. I don't even know if we even need to welcome to We could just start it know. off with one of the, you know. We, we'll, this we'll is Brian. Yeah. Brian. And you say, John. John. Just shout. <laughs> just shout at each other. I'd say we can get feedback from the audience, but we've never gotten any. So yeah. I'm shaming anybody out there listening to this that hasn't given us any feedback. We have a star. <laughs> Not not a star, preferably five or four. I don't know what rating scale anybody uses, but, you know, drop us a comment. Anyway. Brian, welcome back from vacation. How was it? Thank you, sir. It was good. It was interesting. This is the first trip I've ever taken with a toddler to the beach. And uh, I realized that a trip with a toddler is less of a vacation and more an exercise in logistics. The whole time, it's packing up a car. Unloading a car, packing up beach things, bringing them over, packing things back up from the beach. It's it's a lot of moving and shaking to keep up with this ball of energy that loves the water and just trying to make sure everything's working well. Well, welcome yeah. back. I hope that the work week hasn't been too brutal on you. It's it's a typical dig out of my inbox week, and, and that would be a good episode topic to cover, how to recover from a vacation and get back into the office. Yeah, what was the number looking like for you? So my I had about 100 emails, okay. and my wife said, guess how many emails I have? I'm, I don't know, 100 or so? 800. Oh, my God. And a lot of those God. were... <laughs> I know a lot of those were system based, but it's like a lot of those she had to follow up on. She spent the entire day following Jeez. up on emails. That's yeah, that's next level. So <laughs> do not envy that. No. So what was it about two weeks ago? We chatted about why this may be the right time to consider a career change or maybe a new organization. Anyone who has looked within the last couple months has probably seen the growing number of open recs and open roles. Hell, my fiance is even in the process of filling two roles on her team right now. If I were you, dear listener, and I'm not, eh, I'm much more self-deprecating and clearly think I'm very funny. I would but do so it. handsome. <laughs> yes, quite handsome. We have a voice for radio. So, or a face for radio. That's that's what I say. Yeah, we have a face for radio. But point being, I would do it. I'd pull the trigger and at least explore some other opportunities. Even if I'm remotely dissatisfied with my work, and if you listened uh, last week or the week before, uh, I did do just that. I was one of those crazy ones who decided to take on a role within a new company uh, in the middle of a global pandemic, which, by the way, that phrase is reaching the point of being so cliche that I'm calling for everything to be qualified with that phrase. Uh, An example I can give you, I just had to change a flat tire in the middle of a global pandemic. (laughs) That's an interesting way to put it. But Brian, let me ask you this. Am I completely out of my mind or am I just too impressionable and let all of these uplifting conversations that we record on a weekly basis color my opinion and decision making? This is something that I've thought a lot about, I think. And I stand by the notion from that last episode where logically speaking, now is a good time for a lot of people to look around. But at the same time, at a a mental or emotional level, 
it can be kind of scary to say, hey, all this stuff going on, all the uncertainty and turmoil in the world, I'm just going to go and, and abandon ship and see what else is out there. It's a scary idea, but I think logically you did the right thing and are, are in the right path. Yeah. Well, I could share with you. I'm sure a lot of folks feel the same way. It was scary. I wasn't entirely confident in my decision. Um, you know, deep down, there's the moral side of me that almost feels like I disappointed a certain group of people while me, yeah, <laughs> but while abandoning me. Well, and that's the, you know, that's a great question. Is it selfish? You know, it's, it is, and that's okay. You know, it's the, now's the time to look for yourself. Don't be afraid to explore those opportunities. And Brian, to your point, there are a lot of those doubts and concerns and hesitations, and it's okay to feel that too. That doesn't prevent you from at least looking, right? You did it. You finally landed that interview. And on paper, it looks like you are without a doubt the best fit for the role. You've given some thought as to why you're looking right now, right? You're a little nervous. We talked about that. Maybe the company culture. You've seen it before in your old organization, a toxic environment. How do you try and vet these toxic employers when you yourself are the one seeking a new opportunity? Well, like we discussed last week, now's the time for you to harness the power of the job seeker. Believe it or not, right now may be the best time to make a change, and it may prove to be lucrative, but maybe consider the cost of your mental health. Today, I'm going to tell you a little bit about my experience, and we can talk about how you can flip the script a little bit yourself. First question for me, and one that's very imminently personal. Plenty of reasons that somebody might want to look around for a new job, like we talked about last time. But John, to, to set the stage for today's conversation, what was in your mind? What were you really looking to either accomplish or, God forbid, escape from at uh, at my company and, and your past company? Work-life balance was big. Just having that freedom to not feel like if I were to step away for a second, I wouldn't have to constantly be checking my phone. And that's, that's not anything that our boss could have changed. I think that was something we felt just as the culture of the company. But even more so than that, I wasn't fulfilled with the work we were doing. And there was this lack of structure sometimes. And I really, really needed that at this point. I'm craving it, to be honest with you knowing what my day is going to look like. Not that every day is going to look the same, but having a general idea of what two months from now the work that I'm going to be doing is. And I just didn't feel like we were getting that at this time. And I'm sure you can relate. That makes sense. So I figure why not share some of my experience with our listeners? I was going to make a joke and say with our listener, uh, you're out there. We see you, Fred, and you know El Paso. No, I'm kidding. But uh, that would be terrible. What if we do if have there's a, fr- a Fred and El- if there's a Fred and El Paso listening, we don't have that level of analytics to be able to pinpoint your location. So the local radio station had ads like that. I was like, hey, we see you, Linda. And I, I always wanted them to say Brian. Just, you know, it, it would mean nothing. It had nothing to do with me personally, but I just wanted to hear it once. I never actually did. <laughs> there Kinda was, sad about there was that. a radio station that would be like, thanks for checking in, Cherry Hill. Like, it was, like, really bad, yeah. like, just, like, kind of plugged into where they almost had, like, two different voices doing it. Somebody local at the station just reading the names of the local towns, and then they had, like, a person back at corporate read the main the main copy that they just, you know, fed into. That'll be an interesting job. Here, read this list of names. Linda, Bob, Joe, Cletus, and just go through Malvern, the list. King of Prussia. 
<laughs> Willis Town. The problem is we have a lot of weird sounding places around here. It'd be kind of hard to do. Conchahawken, Hocassin. <laughs> but um, so yeah, I figure I'll share my experience and then um, consider this the interview, the interviewee's portion of this episode. I'm definitely interested in this just because I've not been in the job market for quite a bit. Even before this, I, I haven't done that many cold interviews personally. In, in my past, I've kind of gone from company to company with some kind of relationship. Either a past coworker or a past client has brought me in. For anybody else listening out there who was interested in that last episode we had where we talked about going out to market but hasn't done it in a while, I, I think this is an interesting topic for them as well. Yeah, it's... So I would say about 50% of my jobs have been the cold versus the scenario you just described. So short career, short tenured, obviously I'm still pretty young, I would say, relatively speaking. But yeah, no, I get you. There is uh, something to each side. I had a recruiter reach out to me on LinkedIn. So I did the I'm open to work option. I was kind of a little nervous about who from our company would be able to see it, what recruiters, and I know they say nobody can see it, but I'm still kind of that person who might believe in a little bit of Big Brothers watching over, so I was a little nervous there. The recruiter reached out to me and you know, just said, I have an opportunity, and I was a little unfamiliar with this company, and by little, I was totally unfamiliar with this company. At this point, I was basically just passively looking, but I was reaching a point where I knew I wanted to start kicking my search into that higher gear. So a big thing for me was that I felt missing in my previous role was that real sense of ownership and a little bit more structure around what I'd be doing on a daily basis and how that fits into the larger business. So with that in mind, I did a little research on this company and saw some things were very encouraging to me. The recruiter sent me a job description and I went through some of those standard steps. Um, I had a phone screening was my first step. And Brian, when was the last time you had any type of phone screening or anything like that? It, it's been a lot. Actually, I think the last one I had was for this job I'm, I'm currently in. And I've, I've been here for years. So it's been a long time. I did have a little bit of practice just because I had gone through several phone screenings before this company. I uh, hadn't gotten to the interview stage you know, in, in a little bit, but I had gone through the interview stage previously before somewhat recently. So I was a little nervous, but still kind of familiar with it. The questions that they really ask you during that phone screening portion is really just kind of checking off the boxes, understanding that I had somebody on the other end, that recruiter, who had a general understanding of what the company did and a general idea of what I'd be doing on a daily basis. I felt like the phone screening was really kind of the opportunity where I had a little bit more leverage than I would in any of my interviews. He doesn't know what I don't know, so the phone screening is a great opportunity to, you know, maybe try throwing in some jargon you aren't 100% familiar with and see if it gets picked up or maybe kind of do some of that duplicative behavior, kind of copying or mimicking some phrases that the recruiter says. And I took that with me through my interviews. So if there was any keywords that I noticed he said, I know that's because that was a word that he had to write down based on the feedback he got from the hiring manager. So kind of some of that little inside baseball there. But it was still kind of um, you know, nerve-wracking. It's, it's, it's always nervous getting through that phone screen portion of it. Now, I have recruiters reach out to me on LinkedIn as well, a good number of them. And I, to date, I haven't really followed up with any, maybe a couple a long while ago. Because it, it feels, you know, even though it's a person reaching out, and maybe this is just 
the fact that it's through so it's weird to say that it's through social media so it feels less social but there it is it feels less personal to me and it's it's i don't want to call it a turn off but it's kind of it was kind of a, a weird cold start to a conversation i don't know if you felt that way at all totally and i have had more opportunities come to me to via linkedin that i've turned down than i have even really explored at all that's the benefit of having a specialized skill like ours coming from a certain industry that is kind of more niche but still growing so i i still feel like we kind of get we have that advantage of having that niche skill so you do get a lot of cold calling and people reaching out to you so it was kind of just on a whim that I, I saw through this one. I told them to email me, and that's my usually my go-to. When they reach out to me, I have them email, you know, respond back. They're like, are you interested in this role? And I say, sure, you know, email me. And you can see some of the folks who were just blasting them out nonstop versus the ones who were doing a little bit more research. So I don't know if you've run into that as well. Kind of That's why maybe it feels a little anonymous or a little cold to you as well. Probably, yeah. And the other thing I'm wondering as well, a lot of open jobs these days in our specific flavor of management consulting look to be remote, which is good, but also contract positions, which depending on your outlook may be less good. Nowadays, even though those contract positions are remote, so I'd still be working from home, it feels like a different game as an adult with a family. And I don't know what if, if you weigh those kind of more temporary contract positions. I know a lot of people are looking into that. It's a very hot topic these days. And I just want to get your thoughts there. Yeah, I one hundred percent feel the exact same way. I don't I don't entertain those types of positions anymore. Uh just because not to joke, it's a young man's game and I don't want to travel and that's a big consideration for me. Going through the interview process, I was pretty clear on on what my expectations were in terms of travel requirements, and they were clear in terms of their expectations of me. So I'm going to be supporting a client that's on the East Coast, hence why I'm on an East Coast team. My main boss is going to be based out of another city uh, that's within we'll say a two-hour train ride. It's not that big of a deal if they ask me to come in once a month, but I set the standard pretty early on or I set the expectation that I don't want to travel every single weekend, and my boss made it pretty clear to me that she's not going to be asking me to do that either. So kind of understanding where I want to be versus where a, a role like that that you're describing, it doesn't blend well with me at all. And the contract position piece of that, I had a, I had a buddy who went through that it's just such a pain because of all the other responsibilities that are attached to the contract position. Yeah, the pay is usually great, but you're self-employed at that point, more or less, in my book. There's a feast or famine aspect to yeah. it as well, right? Yeah. But you know, I'm happy to go through some interview tips here with the listeners, but I think that's an episode for another day. Speaking of which, if you'd like to submit any topic suggestions, leave us any comments, or reach out to us directly, be sure to click on any contact button wherever you listen to your podcast, because we are going to be responsive. We we promise we also we have a phone number for the podcast i don't even remember it at this point should probably throw that up there one of these days yeah we're gonna start we're gonna start attaching that to episode descriptions so that's a good point yeah and um, an email yeah we actually got these... a, a voicemail on there and i was like wow nice cool new voicemail and it was just like two seconds of just like a buzz. are you happy with your long distance service yeah, yeah right we've been trying to reach you about your car's extended warranty but 
keeping in mind that I'm kind of glossing over some of the actual interview steps right now, I think after the break, let's take a look at how we can maybe flip the script on the interview process and explore some ways we can put the power back in the hands of the interviewee. So, Brian, maybe we can go through an exercise. Interviewer and interviewee. Oh, God, this is sounding stressful to me. Yeah, you get get stressed. Brian, thanks for coming in for an interview today. Thank you for having me, sir. How are you doing? I'm I'm doing great. Yeah. So as part of this first process, we're just going to ask some questions to see if you might be a right fit for the role. How you feel about that? I already hate this. <laughs> I won't. I won't lean into it. No. I, I have this. I have this fake sense of stress already. I was going to cut it right there. Yeah, I was going to cut it right there. I don't want to stress anybody out. <laughs> and thank you for your time. You may yeah, leave right? now. Well, thanks for coming in. We think we're going we're gonna to move forward with some other candidates. <laughs> no, but yeah, no, I thought that, that would be a funny little intro to get us into how you can maybe answer an interview question. But really what I want to do is think about how we can interview the interviewer. So, Brian, when you first get in, how do you feel... Um, you said you're already getting stressed, right? Where, where, where do you think that stress comes from? I, it's weird because on one hand, I think I've mentioned this before, a good part of the job that I do today is a sales thing. So it's it's not just selling my company. It's also selling me who's going to be actually leading these projects. And I have no problem there. I can talk anybody's ear off at length. But when it comes to just selling myself from a, a job perspective... I don't know. It's just something about it. It's putting me on display. And I'm a pretty introverted person, despite the fact that I'm recording a podcast with you and I'm a loud person by nature. I'm still pretty introverted. So having focus placed on me in a a measure and a scales perspective, it's just bizarre. That's usually one of the first questions any phone screener or even interviewer will ask you is to really just describe yourself. But the way I wanted to flip that script a little bit and what you're describing is, is sell yourself. And I think, you know, everybody gets that advice and everybody knows what that means. But to your point, you're selling a company, you're selling yourself, whatever it is, always find a way to sell yourself and lead with some of the strongest parts, right? So to relate it to my personal life right now, I had an interview with a DJ, a potential DJ for our wedding. We're going through the, uh, you know, the whole, just me asking some questions towards the end. He tells me, yeah, that's our last spring date. Uh, yeah, it's great. It's crazy that you even had it open. And to me, what I hear in my head, the first thing I hear is, you should have led with that, man, because that really makes you feel special. And, and find ways that you can make the other person on the other end feel special, but also make them feel like they're getting somebody who's worth their time and you're you're the best bang for the buck and they're, they're honored to even be interviewing you. And it's tough, easier said than done, obviously, but always go in with that mentality. And Brian, I know you have a similar mentality when we go in with clients. We're there to fix the problem. You're being hired because you're the expert. You have a skill set that the client doesn't have. It's kind of the same thing on job interviews as well, where if somebody is looking to hire you, really showcasing your your strengths and your skills is important. But I'm wondering how we can really pivot that towards not just proving that we have value to these companies, but that they do as well. 
And when you were talking, something that kind of I was thinking about and kicking around in my head was if their website says that, going back to that phrase last time that everybody loves, we're a meritocracy, right? We're, we want self-starters. We want people who are entrepreneurial in spirit, which is a, a huge thing I see a lot. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I would like to think I have that entrepreneurial spirit, at least to some degree. I haven't started my own company, but I know if there's things that need to get done, I do them. I'm not pulling punches in that regard. And I would want to pivot that to say, so that's me and that's who I am. Is this company really conducive to that? And can you give me some examples of how you try to minimize uh, the amount of micromanaging and and see if we can turn it like that? Is that do you think that's a, a good idea at this point? I think that's actually the right time to do it because the next point I wanted to bring up was find ways to get the recruiter to be candid for you. We want to make sure that we're being candid with them and you want to build that rapport pretty early on. So it's important to get the recruiter to be candid. Asking questions like how you described right there is a great way to get them to kind of put them on the spot and kind of put them on their heels because they're not really expecting folks to come back like that. And the recruiter isn't going to rule you out of contention or consideration because you asked him a question or asked him or her a question that made them, you know, take a step back. Sometimes that's a way to stand out in the pack. So yeah, absolutely. Now that would be the time to do it right there at that point. And I do want to take a step back as well. And I've never been a recruiter, but I'm a good friend of the intern recruiter at my company. And I, I know, and I've known recruiters from other organizations as well. Just to set the stage for anybody who you know maybe hasn't talked to that many recruiters or doesn't really understand the gig, the recruiter's not necessarily there to screen anybody out as much as they're there to screen people in. And yes. that might seem like a, a minimal distinction, but what I mean by that is at the end of the day, there's a lot of overlap between sales and recruiting insofar as recruiters have a quota. They have to find a number of people to fit the recs that they have. They're looking for you to be a good fit. It's a lower stress game than the actual interview. And I just wanted to point that out for anybody wondering what it's like to really talk to a recruiter or who gets a bit nervous. The recruiter wants you to succeed because your success is their success. Exactly. It's a commission-based position in, in a lot of instances. I don't know if that's actually still common practice. I think it is, right? I think so. Yeah, right. But the point being, they get money when you get hired. So yeah, they totally want you to, to get past that first initial screening. I guess now would also be a time to kind of get what you're getting at, Brian, is to maybe kind of do a vibe check on the company. Uh, if you're getting the recruiter to be candid and asking them questions, you know, maybe try to just feel out what you think and really trust your intuition there. One thing that was really enticing about my new company is that they're big on work-life balance. Ha ha. Yeah. You'd think that would matter to me, right? Um, Can they sponsor us? You know what? Maybe, maybe I'll push for it. I'll I'll try to, you know, once I'm in there a little bit more, I'll get my feet wet first. But uh, really what I mean by vibe check a company, they told me that they have unlimited PTO at this company. And I'm like, wow, that sounds, that sounds great. I made the joke with the uh, recruiter. Well, you know, more often than not, the folks end up not taking as much of their PTO as a result. And he kind of you know, snickered and was like, yeah, it depends on certain teams. Uh, some folks have no problem taking it. Other folks do. So that's a great way. You know, I got him to maybe 
sell a little bit more of his position than he normally would because you, I found a way to take some of my previous knowledge from research from the show, actually, funny enough, and applied it to my everyday and got him to you know spill the beans a little bit, you know, so right there, what I interpreted that as is, yeah, there's the corporate policy is is unlimited PTO. It's going to be a case by case and manager by manager basis on how that PTO is really approved and, and funneled through. So just kind of trust your intuition there. If it feels like that might be something that you're concerned about, maybe it's not the right job for you. But Brian, to your point, yeah, now's the time to feel that out, right? And, and a note to uh, all employers out there, if your employees have any qualms or worries about taking time off, you don't have an unlimited time off policy. Yeah, no, that's a great point. During one of my onboarding sessions, they, they made the joke uh, during the timekeeping section. They said, we're never going to get on your case about taking too much too much PTO. I'm the person who looks through it, the person who is leading the session. I can tell you right now, I don't care how much PTO you take. That's between you and your manager. We're going through this, and we're just we're just making sure that everybody puts their time in, because otherwise, that could affect a bonus at the end of the year, because compliance is a big part of it. But I don't care how much PTO you take. So again, reading between the lines, I know that my boss doesn't have a PTO calendar either. So it's between me and my boss how that PTO is going to work. And she has already kind of given me the license for the rest of the summer to be pretty flexible with my schedule. So those are things that really speak to that work-life balance that I'm aiming for. And it feels great so far. So I'm, I'm happy to report that I am happy. So as I mentioned towards the beginning of the episode, I've not done that many cold interviews and they were long enough ago that this work from home thing wasn't really a widespread thing. Maybe a few people did, but most people were working in offices. Every interview I've done outside of those early screenings was in person, was face to face. I'm interested in knowing, and I, I bet a lot of people out there are interested in knowing, John, how did that go for you? How did you feel about it? And are there any thoughts you would leave us off with about how to really nail the non-in-person interview for those of us who have never done it? Yeah, absolutely. It was definitely very odd. It felt like what was broken out over the course of about two weeks, uh, just with coordinating everyone's schedule is usually what I would have done in one session if I was on site. So I met with three different folks and all of them were over Zoom. I have a funny little story there is the first time I logged on for my first Zoom call, I was using my fiance's laptop just because, you know, better laptop. I didn't want to risk anything and have any connection issues or anything like that. Her Zoom info was still uh, logged in. So Right when I joined the call, the I could see on the interviewer's face, like, huh? Because my name was showing up as Rachel. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so that actually... Reminds me of that lawyer who had, like, a cat picture up, that, like, their their face turned into a cat, and he couldn't turn it off during a, a legal conference. L- literally just had that conversation with my boss. Yep, had that conversation yesterday. <laughs> it felt like that. It really did. But actually, funny enough, that was a great way to really break the ice. It was... Felt like a normal interview to me for the most part. The only difference being I had all day to sit at home and kind of sit and stew and worry about it. Whereas normally I at least have, you know, if it's in the morning or in the afternoon or I'm taking a half day, I have travel time to consider. I have prep time to consider. It was really weird just getting up, knowing I had an interview at two in the afternoon, working through the whole day and then just sitting there waiting for the Zoom meeting to start. Oh, man, that was that was anxiety ridden. And I don't know if that was any better or worse than waiting in the lobby of a of an office waiting for the interview. 
Funny enough, my boss right now, I've had several Zoom calls with her since now that I've joined as part of my onboarding. And now that I've gotten the chance to know her, I can read her a little bit better, we'll say. And I definitely feel more of a connection to her than I did during our interview. I actually thought, not that I bombed it, I didn't think I bombed it, but I did think that I was failing to establish that connection. And that's usually that's usually something I really like doing. So it did kind of sting a little bit feeling like I couldn't get that because of the Zoom call. But now that I've had the chance to talk with her, I realize we have a lot more in common than I thought we did. And that's because we've had the opportunity to talk. And I do feel like I missed out on a little bit of that small talk because we were working within half hour windows for most of these interviews. Again, big takeaway. It was hard establishing that connection within a half hour, but I feel like I did it. I did get the job. So hopefully, hopefully that kind of answers that question a little bit for myself. I have that internal closure there, that mental closure. So that's pretty much my story. I think it's pretty typical of what some folks are experiencing right now with, we'll call it pandemic interviewing. Um, most folks are probably having Zoom fatigue to a little point <laughs> as well. So uh, interviewing is not going to help with that at all. So make sure you drink your coffee, take that daily dose of medicine that makes you happy, whatever you need to do to get through that interview process, because you're going to need to be your happy peppy self. But as one little story I'll leave us with, Brian, we'll call it in my in my work life, I've had four big boy jobs, we'll say, and every single one of my bosses has been a woman so far. So it seems like I just am drawn to those type of jobs. So I don't know what it is about who I am or the type of work I like to do, but I've always made the joke that I tend to gravitate towards strong women, and it seems that that is totally still the case for me. So I feel like I can see Rachel behind your shoulder, like, damn right you do. <laughs> yeah, like standing in the in the doorway, <laughs> like, damn right. I also like how you uh, you prescribe happy pills for people before their interviews. I, I, I didn't want to say happy pills, so I, I specifically said, like, daily dose of medicine. I don't know. Happy pills. Thanks for listening to the Big Balance Podcast. Don't forget to like and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and drop us a comment while you're there. Until next time.